So Clementine, you'd lived a balanced, happy, even privileged life, as had your family before the Rwandan genocide. What was the transition like from that life directly into catastrophe? Well, that is, uh, you you went straight in there. Um, You know, as a child, I had a life that I would wish for anybody. Yeah. Uh, and I have I have lived many places. I've, I've grown up in nine different countries, and mm-hmm. um, and I've traveled quite uh, a lot now. And when you ask me that question, um, I feel like I'm transported as five year old playing in my mom's garden, and her calling me and saying I cannot play any longer and. And her as an adult knows the truth that later on I have now known, um, but I still quite do not understand. Mm. And to everything turning into silent, and then very loud, and then very silent, and then loud again. And then now I'm transported to where I am here in San Francisco and... I don't want to go back and remember that. When you you portray yourself in the book as a young girl, it's clear that you had to transform yourself into the little person you had to be to withstand the arduous life of a refugee. How did you do that? Was that a conscious thing? I am still that child. Um, And aren't we all those children, wherever we are in our childhood, if we took time to really think about it? Isn't what from our childhood that traumatizes the most or that make us most joyful that we go back to? And so it's it's been a process. It's been 15 years of very intentional work. Yeah. To be able to remember me to be able to remember me so that others can remember themselves. Mm. You know, I'm one in millions, in millions of people who are, who have been kicked out of their country, whose life want to be ended every single day all around. And when I arrived into the United States in 2000 with my older sister yes within a year or two i looked around this was right after 9 11 and i looked around and i thought oh my goodness is this a dream am i in a dream i thought that i had run away from all the wars all the noises and how on earth am i in it still and then i realized Maybe maybe I just need to figure out a way to be able to understand why why humans cause such atrocity toward each other. And so it's been a journey of words, searching for words, searching for that thing that in which that is seated in many of us and many of us never get time because we're in constant survival mode. Hmm. 
the, the presence of fragmentation is everywhere in this book, Clementine. You speak of a non-sequential life. And I, as a reader, just feel bits of you falling off as you move from one country to another. You're almost like the Gretel of the fairy tale, trying to pick up the crumbs of either who you used to be or who you should be at that stage of your life. Absolutely. I mean, life offered itself to to me in a way that nobody's child should experience. And same thing with my sister. And so, like, like any adventures, like any child who's lost in her own adventure, I really wanted to welcome the reader to also experience different pieces of their life that has made them who they are mm. by honestly reflecting into my life. And I had an incredible editor editor who was just constantly asking me more, more of this, please, more of this, please. Clementine, what do you think of that? Can you dig a little bit deeper? And my co-author also just Liz, Elizabeth uh, Weil, yes. her also just coming to me and digging more and digging more. And there's some places where we were like, we can't, we need a break for a month at least. And so I am exposing a part of our humanity that many have only experienced it through a third lens, fourth mm-hmm. lens. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a camera, it's there. And I just wanted words. I wanted words to go to people's ear for them to close their eyes and hear my voice and said to themselves, who's that child in us that forgets that everybody is somebody's child? And that and voice comes through so clearly, Clementine. It is, it is clear. It is frank. It is almost yeah. raw. In, in the way you speak in your child voice. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I've spent so much time with children. And, and, and no, you know, when we speak of wars, when we speak of joy, when we speak of famine, when we speak of displacement, when we speak of hate, the child does not have a voice in it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give a child a voice. To say, here's a story of war. And so that I could say what comes after. You know, and and so I I want to liberate. I want the adult to crave to liberate the child in them. So that they can stop being numb to what is the quote-unquote reality we are creating for each other. And if, if and when so many other adults who welcome that child every day are fighting to be alive, to stay alive, why are some forgetting? So that, that is why it's also a bit fragmented because mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not just my, my story, it's it's of course it's it's my journey my lens with my sister but it's everybody's story 
It's everyone who is ready to rise above the survival mode that leads us into fear and hate. To be able to expand forward. I mean, how long has a human existed in this planet? When are we going to leave behind the brain of caveman time? Mm. You know, your, your distaste for genocide, for the word genocide in particular, is so hard-hitting in this book. The notion that this one word is just too small to encapsulate the vastness of human suffering it's supposed to signify. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I love words. And, and, you know, as a literature and, and as a just love of the world and words itself, I, I really wanted to put sort of to zoom into the words in which we use to communicate life and the end of life and to be able to show how that word itself such as the word genocide how it strips of many their humanity and it does not give us the picture of what was before then before the word occurred you know and and as crazy as that sound you know it's like everything has image has a sound has a taste has sight i just want to tap into that six senses that we are to be able to investigate how words you know um make us miss each other's humanity mm-hmm. and of course the word genocide that was just a vocabulary to me and, but and then when people were defining my life through a vocabulary and just squeezing me there so tightly I refuse I, I, I refused and, and, and that's where I am right now and I want other people to also refuse to some terms that do not share their story, their human, their love, their families, you know, and, um, you know, uh, you know, because the word genocide is so titty and it is so, it, it, it's emotionless, you know, it's, it's, it's just blank. And I understand, of course, why the word had to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. I understand in 1940s when that word had to be put forward. But that word, when it arrived, yes, it had its moment. But it does not describe hundreds and hundreds of men right there in Namibia who were who were subject to that hate. Yeah. It does not say, you know, how many families in South Africa who've been for a long time treated in the way they've been treated and then their life just slipping under them. It does not signify the death of millions of the Rohingya people right now. It does not, that word does not show, does not make you feel. And I really would love to invite us to feel the words in which we use every day to communicate our humanity. 
Yet there are some words that have been so liberating for you and, and you write with such love about the books that saved you in some way. The writing of Vissel, Siebold, Morrison, Benjamin, Lord. How has that writing helped you make sense of your life? Well, I would say currently right now it's Nina Simone's um, New World new, new World Coming and her lyrics are just so powerful and, and I'm not sure if she wrote it but the way she's seeing it you know, the new world is coming it's coming in peace it's coming in joy mm-hmm. and for me that is where I am right now in terms of words it said if Nina Simone in the 70s she can sing that song for me, for you, for us, that this new world, it's coming. It's coming in peace, it's coming in joy, and it's coming in love. Mm-hmm. And to be able to create from that place of those words, that is liberating for everybody, not just for me. And to be able to think about the way in which each word has sound and has such a deep voice and belief, Nina Simone believing in that after her ancestors. Who are my ancestors? To be able to get into that level of profiting that world that is coming. For many of us who've gone through atrocities such as separation of our, ourselves from our countries, from our family, from our our humanity. For me, those words resonate today. And, and that is a word that has no borders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It has no borders. It has no... When you say love in every language, everybody will understand it. When you mm-hmm. say peace, everybody will understand it. When you say joy... People will understand. And that is the new world that I am in. And that's Nina Simone. And that's the why I want to live of a story of war and what comes after. Hmm. What comes after. That's where I want to be. (laughs) Of course, you meditate on the notion of forgiveness in this book, Clementine, whether it's right for you or for other Rwandans. Does the world have the right to expect this of anyone who's suffered human rights violations on the scale that many Rwandans have? So, again, going back, this is my story. These are the words that I've selected to guide, to invite, and... I personally believe that each person has their path in forgiving. And forgiveness is a practice. And I continue to practice it every single day. And it's just an invitation to be able to take the word and investigating the sound of it, investigating the taste of it, investigate the smell of it, investigate all, all sides of that word, and then say, how do I take that word into practice? How does it feel into taking it into practice? So 
it's an invitation and it's not forced and it's not an obligation because all of us have our path and it's not just Rwandans um it's all over the world it's 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 everywhere it's it's how does forgiveness look like as a practice in South Africa till today right if you go to Johannesburg I've spent a lot of time in Johannesburg yeah. how do you forgive time how do you forgive time mm. how do you forgive space how do you forgive colors how do you forgive sound how do you forgive movements because our memories and our existence are all in the body are all in the mind are all in everything that in each we are imagining and existing so again I, I I'm so looking forward to coming to South Africa sometime soon and to have this conversation on all the coasts you know, from Johannesburg to Durban to Cape Town and just across Southern Africa to say, how do we forgive time? Such beautiful thoughts. Clementine, thank you so much for speaking to us.